Kent Online News. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. Lucy Hickmott. It's Wednesday the 15th of May. Coming up, reaction as Jeremy Kyle's show is cancelled permanently following the death of a guest. I think it's good because it's a waste of television. To be fair, it's a waste of money, waste of television. To be fair, I think if they cancel Jeremy Kyle, then they should be cancelling Love Island. Almost 125,000 children across the county are growing up in poverty. We just don't think it's right that children should be sleeping in anywhere but their own bed in the UK right now. And some of our beaches have been named among the best in the world. There's a lot of work that goes into coordinating and ensuring that beaches can achievably flag status. So when they get it, it's a very big deal. Kent Online News. The big news today is that the Jeremy Kyle show has been permanently scrapped by ITV following the death of a guest several days after filming. It's thought the 63-year-old took his own life before the episode he featured in had been broadcast. The talk show's been going for 14 years, but the company says it's now the right time for it to end. Earlier I spoke to North Thanet MP Sir Roger Gale, who used to be a television producer and director. I think under the circumstances, it's absolutely right that the show should be taken off air. It's clearly got to a point where it is approaching dangerous. And if somebody has taken their life as a result of an appearance on the show, and I'm not suggesting that that is the only reason why they may have taken that action, then it's a proper decision to take by a responsible company. And you've got some experience with TV yourself, haven't you? Um, has, Has that sort of changed your opinion on it at all? No. Um, I I was a television producer and director for a significant number of years. And it is true that programs, including some of the ones that I made, pushed at the boundaries. I hope not of taste and decency, but certainly in terms of style of presentation. But I think program makers have a very considerable editorial responsibility to make sure that they are not causing distress, that they are not putting people under undue pressure. And in this day and age of social media, those caveats are amplified enormously because anything that goes out on one medium will almost automatically go out on many others. That makes it potentially a very dangerous tool. And what's your opinion on other shows like Love Island? It's also obviously been in the news for some former contestants who have gone on to kill themselves. I only know what I've read because I don't watch the programme and haven't watched the programmes. So uh, I know what I've seen in the popular press. Um, But I think that any program that puts its participants in a position where they're exposed to public ridicule or vilification, I'm not saying that the participants in the Love Island case didn't do so willingly, but whether they did so wisely is a different thing altogether. Any program that allows that to happen has to take responsibility for the actions that follow. In some cases, those actions have been desperately sad. Do you think it's time to maybe have a look at all of the reality programmes that are out there and and have a bit of a rethink about either the way they're done or the aftercare that's offered to people that are on them? I don't think it's appropriate for government to interfere. If you go down that road, you tend to go towards censorship. I think the programme makers, the production companies, the broadcasters have a responsibility first of editorial care and then of personal care if it becomes apparent that somebody has been exposed or allowed themselves to be exposed 
to a circumstances that they frankly didn't anticipate. It's understood staff at the team's office in Salford were in floods of tears after being told the Jeremy Kyle show was being dropped. We've been finding out what some of you in Medway think. What's your reaction first of all to Jeremy Kyle being permanently cancelled the show? Yeah, I'm fine with that. I think it's good because it's a waste of television. To be fair, it's a waste of money, waste of television, because the people on there obviously don't go work. All they seem to do is drink, get tattoos, smoke, change partners and have kids. And that, ain't, that just ain't normal. They're not normal people on there. They can't be because everyone's got teeth. No one's got any teeth. So surely to God, the first thing is, have you got teeth? Because if you've got nice teeth, you're not on there. And everyone's just mixed up. They have a half an hour break. And in that half an hour, they go and have a baby with someone else. It's just telling young people that's the way to carry on. And it ain't. So I'm glad. But the sex on the beach or whatever they call oh, it, Love that Love Island, that's got to go as well. I mean, the broadcasters are saying they've, they've had uh, mental health support. They've got staff there who are in a position to, to help with participants. Um, is Jeremy Kyle to blame? Or do you think, is, it, is there an issue with the nature of the show itself in the fact that it's airing these private matters for the world to judge, perhaps? I think, it, I don't think it's anything to do with Jeremy Carl. I think the show encourages, the show encourages people to go on there and do that. Because I knew a friend that went on there ages ago and he wasn't a ladies' man, but they said to him, we're going to get cards printed. When you come out, you know, give cards out and make out you're a ladies' man. And he actually wasn't. So I don't, I think they play on it. Jeremy Cole talks to people in their face and he can get a bit rude. So that's why I think some of it's made up to get the audience, because the audience are just as bad as the people that are on there. I mean, it's okay, but I think it's at its day now. I think it's at its day. And based on the tragic circumstances, do, do you, you obviously clearly agree with the decision for it to be scrapped yeah, and you, you would feel other shows similarly like Love Island should yeah, also be scrapped? Definitely. All, yeah, a lot of them places, yeah, because people think they're all going to be made up. They think they're going to get um, noticed, they're going to get rich. They're going to. I think it, they all should just calm down now. It's all gone just too far. Well, I've, at the end of the day, the people choose to go on the show, so I can't see how Jeremy Cole can be put, how he can be blamed for that. I don't understand it. You choose to go there, you, you know, obviously you don't want the person to die or anything like that, but no, I just think it's, it swings and roundabouts, isn't it? Was it something that you watched? No, I didn't watch it, no. Do you think there's, what did you make of the show from what you know? I did, oh, what, Jeremy Cole itself? Yeah. yeah. Just entertainment, isn't it? That's it. <laughs> do you think there is a danger, though, perhaps with shows like this, which is effectively airing private matters for the world to judge? Yeah, I don't think it's something that should be done on television. Um, and I think maybe they should have um, maybe a better aftercare. Definitely a lot more aftercare after if they're going to go into situations like this. And I think the programme should also be aware of and should have to do that, make it one of the things that they do when they go on there. And, and it's not the first show on via ITV. We've had the issue with Love, uh, Love Island as well, no, if no, you remember, no. which had perhaps arguably a similar type of situation. Do you think this was inevitable, that something like this was going to happen, another high-profile show being taken off it? To be fair, I think if they cancel Jeremy Kyle, then they should be cancelling Love Island. It's no different, is it? No different. Ish has also been chatting to Reverend Philip Clements, who went on the show with his young husband last June. Philip, what's your reaction to the Jeremy Carl show being permanently cancelled? Well, a mixed reaction, really. I don't watch the show normally, um, and, and I'm very sad for the man who took his own life, and uh, there seems clearly to be a connection. Um, but I'm sad for the team, really, including Jeremy himself, who showed us nothing but kindness and concern and consideration when when we were on the show 
they, they were so pleasant to us and so nice. And the experience was a very positive one. So I'm sorry for them. Um, I hope they will find, uh, you know, employment in another show. It's interesting you, you talk about your experience there, obviously being on the show itself. I mean, there, there have been concerns about there being support for participants who've been on the show, you know, in terms yes. of aftercare. D- did you get support f- offered to well, you from uh, ITV? There wasn't any support necessary because we were not in a confrontational situation. And so there was no aggression or, or um, unpleasantness shown uh, on either side uh, at all. It was not. It, it was all very pleasant and, and, and positive, as I've said. Um, support was available. We were told uh, during the show and after the show there'd be people who could counsel us if necessary, but uh, it just wasn't necessary. People go on there willingly, but is there a danger of, of airing? private matters to, for the world to judge, though? Uh, of course there is. And incidentally, we didn't apply to go on the show. We were invited to go on the show because we happened to be a bit topical at the time, and we were invited. So we responded to that. Um, I, I do think that airing one's dirty washing in public is, is obviously... Uh, it does have risks, and, uh, and you you may be in a situation where you say things or reveal things that you don't want to be revealed publicly. But I'm pretty sure the people who participate, um, uh, well, they're, they're told about the show, they know about the show, and, and so they take that risk. Uh, but quite frankly, some of the situations that arise, I think, are very unfortunate and it's no wonder that the people's lives are affected afterwards as you said you, you felt you were treated very well and and offered yeah. counseling etc how important is that do you feel in order for for shows like this to exist there is that aftercare support oh just i would have thought it was essential because as you know probably some of the situations it would appear that that are aired on the show um are very very personal well they're all personal um, and as I say, often confrontational, because that's what makes the entertainment, I suppose. I, I, I have misgivings about people's personal problems being aired so publicly and, um, and, and you know, given that amount of publicity. I mean, if I was in one of those confrontational situations with uh, a spouse or with uh, another member of the family, I wouldn't want it to be aired in that way. So, um, but but the people who participate do so, as you said, voluntarily, and you know, they they, they know what they're going going in for. You can let us know what you think by commenting on our story at Kent Online. Kent Online reports. Elsewhere today, new figures show almost 125,000 children across Kent are growing up in poverty, according to the End Child Poverty Coalition. The worst affected areas are Thanet, Swale, and Folkestone and Hythe, where more than a third of youngsters are suffering. Joe Howes, who's the chief exec of charity Buttle UK, which gave grants to more than 100 families last year has been telling me more. When we're talking about poverty, what sort of things are we talking about? Yeah, I'm I'm glad you asked that because I think it's worth... Battle UK, we um, essentially provide the items and activities that children and young people living in poverty um, really can't afford themselves. So it's a really clear indicator of what poverty does look like on the ground. Um, One of the things that we've seen, um, and, and particularly in Kent, is that children and young people are going out with going without their own bed 
um, to sleep in. Um, and I think it, the figure is around 8,500 children without their own bed to sleep in. They're either sleeping on the floor, they're sleeping in a, a bigger bed with their siblings, perhaps their parents, um, and we just don't think it's right that children should be sleeping um, in anywhere but their own bed in the UK right now. And these statistics, um, these national statistics, show that um, absolutely... This is, this is the kind of thing that's taking place across the UK. And how damaging is it for children to be growing up in that situation? Well, the, the thing is around poverty is that children um, are growing up in poverty and they're trapped and poverty restricts their life chances. So that leaves them um, developing um, with worse physical, mental health. It... Um, leads them to doing less well in school. And if you haven't got your own bed and you're not particularly sleeping well before going into class, if you're not eating particularly well before school anyway, what are the chances of you really being able to focus in your school day? And then that's giving, leaving you um, much worse off than your peers. Uh, and that shouldn't be the case. People should be um, prepared, wherever you come from, to be able to go in and enjoy your school day and be able to um, fulfil your potential. And the figures from across Ken are um, sort of between 25 and 30% mainly. That's right. But yeah. um, in Thanet and Swale in particular, they've got the highest numbers, 35% and 34%. Why do you think those two particular areas seem to be higher than the rest? I, I, I think uh, Buttles actually, um, we, we've noticed this for a few years from the our own uh, applications that we receive from these areas. Um, it can be high deprivation areas that are matched uh, across the country. And, you know, actually, um, yes, they're, they're high there, 35%. But as I said before, if you look at this nationally, you've got places that are over 50% where it is becoming the new normal. And in these areas, it's looking um, more entrenched. What we'd like to see is that there, you know, there are percentage differences each year where it could be coming down slightly. If we can see that in the long term, particularly in these areas, that would be a fantastic difference. But again, still, you're looking at other areas as well. <clears throat> I was looking at Tunbridge Wells. That's around 22%. So you may say, well, that's fantastic. But even in a place as affluent as Tunbridge Wells, looking at one in five children in poverty, you know, I'm trying to question here, um, I guess, uh, where members of the public may think, well, we live in an affluent area, we're all right. Well, um, places even as that are still having one in five children in poverty. That's not good enough. To find out what the child's poverty figures are like where you live, you can read our story. Kent Online News. A sitting ball man's facing a long prison sentence after admitting setting fire to packaging and bins outside Kent's busiest hospital. Luke French started the blaze at Medway Maritime in Gillingham last September near oxygen tanks, a mobile mortuary and two MRI scanners worth a million pounds. The 29-year-old from Peru Green Drive was caught on CCTV and also admitted torching two bins in Chatham earlier that evening. Three women have gone on trial accused of helping to run brothels in Kent. A court heard an organised criminal group led by a man called Leo rented flats in Tunbridge Wells, Tunbridge and other parts of the southeast while claiming to work for Chinese tech company Huawei. They're also accused of laundering money. The 20, 26 and 36-year-old 
courts all denied the charges against them. A legal fight to stop the closure of one of Kent's six stroke units is now underway in the High Court. Campaigners have filed a judicial review against the NHS decision to close the centre at the QEQM hospital in Margate. Health bosses want to create three specialist units in Ashford, Dartford and Maidstone, but there are concerns people living in Thanet and Medway will have to travel further for urgent treatment. Plans to turn a derelict and abandoned 100-year-old hospital in Kent into new homes could be delayed because of bats. It's thought they're roosting at the old Royal Victoria in Folkestone. Developers hope to start work there in the summer as long as they get planning permission. And finally, it's official Kent's home to some of the best beaches in the world. Ten coastal spots in the county have been awarded prestigious blue flags, proving they're among the best for water quality, cleanliness and good facilities. The awards are handed out by Keep Britain Tidy. Alison Ogden-Newton is chief exec. The Blue Flag Award is the um, international standard for a clean um, beach and clean bathing water. Um, And as such, it's incredibly exciting and and it is a really big deal for beaches that have been awarded blue flags. Keep Britain Tidy is the organisation that um, makes the award um, and we've been um, operating uh, the blue flag for quite some time in the UK. In fact, um, you know, it, it's it, it, it's been since 1987 when we introduced them and then since then they've grown year on year and it's very exciting. This year we've actually managed to award 71 beaches the blue flag, which is our biggest year ever. The fact that a number of Kent beaches will be receiving, yep. will be able to wave those flags, what does that say? A beach that's able to uh, indicate that it's past the blue flag status is one that is clean. It's um, going to be uh, safe to visit. It's going to have facilities and the bathing water will be safe enough to swim in without um, um, ill effects. So essentially the blue flag is everything um, tourists need to know or visitors of any description need to know about where to choose to go and be safe and enjoy um, a trip to the seaside. And that, for a lot of people, is absolutely um, decisive in working out where they're going to go and, and where they're going to enjoy themselves. So a really, really important factor for a lot of people making a decision about where they want to go. In terms of the, the awards ceremony, what can we expect? And it's, uh, you know, it's, it's very much about celebrating the, the high standards that these beaches have maintained. Well, the award ceremonies are a big deal because a blue flag is a big deal. Uh, people have invested a lot of time and money in achieving the blue flag status. First of all, you have to have clean, clean water and that can be immensely complicated and, and require quite a lot of um, strategic investment. And, and then secondly, you have to have facilities and clear signposting. Um, you have to have custodians. You have to have community groups to help you maintain the standard. There's a lot of work that goes into coordinating and ensuring that um, Um, beaches can achieve a blue flag status so when they get it it's a very big deal and a very clear signal to the public that these are the ideal places to visit we've also got 137 beaches receiving the seaside award which is an award for the quality of the beach that has not necessarily been able to achieve the high um, uh, water quality but still has those great facilities and still offers a, a lovely clean beach to sit on so you know we are seeing an increase and that is important because obviously from our point of view we would like to see them increase year on year so that ultimately everybody visiting a beach in England can be assured that it's going to be clean and um, and, and safe.
21 beaches in Kent have also been given seaside awards. We've got the details in our story. That's it for now, but for more news throughout the day, you can head to kentonline.co.uk. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast.